eyes to the right, 369. The nose to the left, 126. Wow. The eyes to the right, 369. The nose to the left, 126. So the eyes have it, the eyes have it, unlocked. Well, there you are, ladies and gentlemen. That was the sound of the end of British liberty. A sound that rang out all over the world, frankly, today. I've been getting messages from all over the place saying, what the hell is going on? How did the British Parliament vote for COVID vaccine passports today? Despite all the evidence that shows that they don't work despite the government's own evidence in the United Kingdom that they don't work despite pledges and promises from Boris Johnson's government that this would never happen no no there were three I think four votes maybe today in the UK Parliament mask mandates vaccines for national health care workers COVID passport regulations. Yes, we'll get into all of that today and more. It's Tuesday, December 14th, the year of our Lord 2021. I'm Raheem Kassam, editor of The National Pulse. Welcome to the show. Speaking of welcome to the show, I want to bring in now to discuss this with me, the chairman of the Bow Group, the world's oldest conservative think tank based out of the United Kingdom, You've heard him on this show before. Benjamin Harris Quinney joins us. Ben, welcome back, even even under these terrible circumstances. Um, glad to have you on because uh, we've been talking about this uh, for quite some time now. And the backdrop, I think, of these votes that were hastily put in front of the um, the British Parliament today is just as interesting as the is the repercussions that these uh, votes will have themselves. So, welcome. And how did we get here? Thank you. Well, like with with most similar issues, it has been a slow drift. And indeed, we are still hearing, oh, don't worry, these vaccine passports are only for large events. They're only for going abroad. Um, they're only for certain forms of work. Um, and of course, as we know, this is always how these things start with the with the incremental salami slicing. Um, and before you know it, uh, you've got a barcode tattooed on your head um it's 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 been a it's been an interesting evening because whilst you you are absolutely right to to put it in those in those dour terms um there was a rebellion by the prime minister's own party of 98 conservative mps voting against and uh, i think 126 not voting for which is the largest party rebellion since same sex marriage um, and after same-sex marriage, Cameron lost control of his party and Nigel Farage surged, and that's how we got Brexit. So that rebellion is much, much larger mm. than the government were expecting, than really anyone was expecting. People were talking in terms of 50. Um, right. So it is a huge rebellion, and whilst they've won the vote technically only with the support of the opposition, which I think is a disgrace, 
Um, so let me, just, Ben, let me just slow you down here. Up. Let me just slow you down here because there'll be a lot of the audience that, that doesn't know how any of these things work. So let's just explain those things for a second. Uh, Boris Johnson was elected with a with a massive majority, um, much to my chagrin, much to your chagrin, uh, just a couple of years ago, uh, elected as the as the leader of the Conservative Party, um, and then the uh, put it to a vote to the British public in a general election, won this majority. Um, I said at the time, you, and, and I know you said at the time, you can't trust Britain's Conservative Party, which is which is nothing like a Conservative Party, for those that aren't um, aren't aware out there, with with such a whopping majority in the House of Commons, because they will end up abusing it and doing the same thing that they have been doing for 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 so many decades now, uh, which is failing to represent the British public and failing to be conservative, and and so today what you're saying is that the Conservative Party, the rebellion inside the Conservative Party, was actually so large that it was larger than the Prime Minister's parliamentary majority, and he had to rely on the far-left Labour Party, the Liberal Democrats and, and the Greens or whoever else, to prop his COVID vaccine mandates and 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 uh, mask mandate legislation up. Yeah, that's right. I mean, for, for, for US listeners, if you want to understand where Boris Johnson sits politically, it's pretty much where Joe Biden sits. Um, or if you think of, a, of an Angela Merkel figure, technically they're called conservatives, but they're in no way conservative. Um, the proper conservatives in, in, in the United Kingdom are represented by people like Nigel Farage. Um, but but it, But even with that considered, there is still a rump of genuine conservatives within the Conservative Party, and this rebellion has gone beyond them um, to a to a, a wider swathe of, of the party. And it is generally considered that if a prime minister can only pass legislation with the support of the opposition, he has lost authority over his party, and that's usually the beginning of the end of a, of a leader. So how what is the backdrop to this? Because we had been told, assured, I remember watching interviews with Sajid Javid and Nadeem Zahawi and uh, uh, Boris Johnson and all these other leading figures in the British government who were out there for, for months and months, the last couple of months and months, saying, we're not introducing vaccine passports, we're not interested in doing that kind of thing. And the government's own studies on this. I read a committee study just, just two days ago that said there is there can be no justification for this, they don't work, they're just infringements on liberty, uh, and, 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 and all of the kind of evidence that has come in from around the world where they are being used don't necessarily go to show, and, and let's be very clear about this, ladies and gentlemen, I mean, it's not like there's been anybody who has died of Omicron, the, the um, uh, variant, um, and if you look at the statistics coming out of the United Kingdom at the moment, it's not like there is a wild resurgence in in deaths, in hospitalizations, and so forth. So, what prompted Boris Johnson to race these things before Parliament? Well, um, as you as you say, you and I have been warning about Boris Johnson and the Conservative Party. We warned about David Cameron that he wasn't the proper Conservative. We warned about Theresa May. She wasn't the proper Conservative. We warned about Boris Johnson. Unfortunately, uh, people fall for it time and, and time again. Um, but sometimes uh, in that in in that milieu, um, people people do reveal their own hand. And um, another figure that 
had sort of positioned himself as a conservative, but but we raised concerns about Andrew Neil wrote a big piece for one of the major newspapers in the UK, the Daily Mail, inadvertently admitting that uh, we know vaccine passports are not a reliable um, a, a device to, to to demonstrate whether people are infectious or not. This is just a way of making life unlivable for anyone that doesn't have one and therefore forcing them to get one. So it is in effect a vaccine mandate. And beyond that, Boris, in the midst of another scandal, which I don't know if we have time to go into, um, let, let, let slip that uh, we've, we've, we've got to have a conversation about mandated vaccines as well. This is a British Prime Minister and leader of the Conservative Party talking about forcing, you know, holding down and forcing people to have a vaccine. Um, and, uh, you know, when, when people are adrift from any sense of, of principle or direction things can escalate very quickly and i think that's what we're seeing it, it is a it is a tragedy uh, it's nothing short of a tragedy and it's particularly frustrating for people like us that, that have warned about it for, for so long so this is what i want to get into which is which is the the backdrop of all of this that you allude to the scandals uh that have been hitting number 10 for for the last i mean for, i think of them as for the last year, because you have been on this show and you've helped cover those over the last year. I think we did three um, episodes about Carrie Simmons, now Carrie Johnson, the Prime Minister's uh, now wife, uh, earlier this year, and, and warning about her influence within Downing Street and, and, and what she was doing with this um, power that was not given to her by the public, power that is not, um, you know, she's not answerable to anybody, but she still seems to be pulling the strings in Downing Street, and she was pulling some fairly interesting strings as far as the British public was concerned um, over over the lockdown period. Uh, that appears to be the strings of um, party poppers. Uh, the, the scandal that rocked number 10 into this um, legislative... Um, vandalism, I think, to, to, to the British Constitution or whatever's left of it, um, seems to come from Number 10's insistence that rule, different rules apply to them, and specifically different rules apply to Carrie Simmons. Well, yeah, I mean, this is another extraordinary backstory that your American listeners probably won't believe, but I encourage them to look it up. You had this situation where at the time Boris was campaigning to become leader of the Conservative Party, he had an affair um, with this this much younger woman, 30 years younger, Carrie Simmons. Um, she then fell pregnant. Um, he left his wife, but was still married to his wife, moved, uh, won the leadership election, moved Carrie into Downing Street. She then started as all reports suggest, to operate as a co-prime minister, to um, be making hiring decisions for senior government advisors and to be pushing policy, um, which, you know, there, there is there's not even, there isn't a constitutional role for, for first lady in the United Kingdom. And I can assure you she wouldn't fulfill the criteria for it if there was. But um, to, 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 to then obviously have someone who is totally unelected and totally unaccountable, uh, be very significantly involved in the heart of government um, is unthinkable. For I mean, this isn't, a, we're not talking about some sort of banana republic. This is the United Kingdom, uh, a parent of democracy. Um, and that's something that's been going on for the last two or three years and just successive scandals because of it, as you can imagine. 
Um, and the latest one is that the government mandated a total lockdown last Christmas. You weren't allowed to uh, see your relatives if if one of your relatives or close friends was dying in hospital you weren't allowed to see them you know families were separated and we're told that in Downing Street and in Carrie Johnson's flat which by virtue of another scandal they decorated at the great cost of the taxpayer and then tried to cover it up uh, they had seven separate parties apparently and um, the Prime Minister was under huge scrutiny over these issues both over the, the, the dodgy way he financed the, the flat refurbishment and all these parties that uh, I think he quite clearly knew were going on. Um, general, but, abuse, you know, general abuse of office is what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and the sort of this, this sense it was a sort of imperial court mm. and, you know, very well, I think you coined the, the, the name Carrie Antoinette, but that's <laughs> the image of it. You know, one rule for us, another rule for you, we're engaging in all this debauched... Um, partying while whilst everyone else is facing hardship um, that all blew up this week and a lot of people suggest that Boris only bought these COVID passports in and started talking about vaccine mandates to distract from that very serious scandal because now everyone's talking about the the, the fact that, that that we now have to have a passport um, uh, you know to walk down the road well, I think, so, I, I, I think, I mean, where do you fall on that? Because I think that is right. I, I, I do think that number 10 rushed this to a vote because they were, and, and for the, again, for the audience, because I always get questions like this afterwards. Number 10 is like saying the White House. Number 10 Downing Street is the executive part of the British government. Um, where um, they seem to have miscalculated this, I think, and I hope, uh, Ben, is that, yes... For the next few days, this might be the talk of Sky News and the BBC and the Daily Mail and, and so on and so forth. But I think people's attentions will turn back to the general malfeasance at the heart of the British government right now. And again, ladies and gentlemen, our guest is Ben Harris Quinn. He's the chairman of the Bow Group. And you can find more about the Bow Group at Bow Group, B O W G R O U P dot org. Ben, what do you say to that? Uh, well, yeah, I think there there is now a general sense that that there is rot, there is something rotten um, at the heart of the British government, um, and that stretches across all parties, all political persuasions, um, people from all walks of life. Uh, they're they're seriously seriously upset. The Conservative Party have plummeted by about ten points in the polls over the last two weeks. From from a leading position into a into a position beneath the Labour Party, that's right. And um, as I say, you've got this major uh, rebellion in Parliament that that Boris has seen this evening with 126 of his own MPs not voting with him. Um, so yes, it's hard to see how this all suddenly goes away. Um, the, the the scandals that we mentioned, there are investigations into all of them. Um, and there's also talk of those investigations being interfered with and all that sort of well, thing. Of so <laughs> the whole the whole the whole thing has, you know, a real air of rot over it. And whilst Boris won the largest majority since Thatcher in twenty nineteen, he mm. did so because he wrapped himself in the colours of Brexit. He basically stole Nigel Farage's playbook. Mm. Um the problem is uh, he ain't Nigel Farage. Well, and I think he stole. Uh, he stole the. He, yeah, he stole the playbook's cover and put it around his his book. 
And, exactly. And once you opened the book, you realized, you know, oh crap, this isn't the you know sports almanac from from you know back to the future this is the titty mag and and you know very appropriate for boris johnson for it to be a titty mag as well so uh, 99 uh, conservative no's plus two tellers i.e abstentions in the vote 101 of his own parliamentary party not voting with him let's talk about the future of boris johnson here because it, it it could be all over pretty quickly the the problem i fear ben and you know this you know this better than i think anybody or have a grasp on this better better than anybody is the um the way the conservative uh, parliamentary party works at what pace it works what triggers them um and 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 how does it how does it actually have to um, what are the mechanisms by which they can remove a prime minister if they fail to have confidence in him or her? Uh, well, the mechanism is that um, a number of letters based on the amount of Conservative MPs there are, in this case, I think that would be 55 letters, has to be sent to um, the 1922 committee, which is a committee that sort of governs internal uh, parliamentary party democracy at that point a leadership election is triggered but that leadership election only takes place within the members of parliament mm. um sorry within within parliament itself mm. <clears throat> and by the members of parliament so you're talking about um you know a few hundred people deciding on who the prime minister of the country is um it, i really don't like the system it's 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 a terrible system uh, i might prefer a u.s system where you have the primaries and you know the whole public mm. get to see and get a say on the process um but that is the system and uh it's how it's how boris found his way to being prime minister um and uh, i i think that is the most realistic way he will be removed there's a there's a by-election coming up um, on Thursday, which will be a strong indicator of where he is. It was a very, very safe Conservative seat, and now people are saying it, they may lose it. I think they'll probably hold on to it, but I think it will be very narrow, and it will it will demonstrate the swing of support away from uh, Boris and away from from the Conservatives. So there 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 is ever greater likelihood of those fifty five letters being submitted by disgruntled members of parliament of which we know now number over a hundred um, and uh, boris could 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 well be out within the next few years. The problem is there isn't any you know there, it's not like we have the great hope that is coming through a genuine conservative that's going to you know take us back to the Thatcher days. Um, well, this, I think we're now at the point where where we need you know to see an alternative party take us forward over the next few decades. Well, this was going to be my my question. So um, I have I have not uh, lived in the UK now for about five years, uh, just over five years, and you know I've watched with interest as the kind of the the, the real right wing, you know, Eurosceptic, socially conservative. Uh, base is kind of splintered into all of these smaller parties. So the UK Independence Party was was you know the vehicle we used to uh, achieve the the Brexit vote. Uh, then the uh, the 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 Brexit movement itself was the campaign itself was split among several different organisations. Then you had Nigel Farage break off from UKIP and and found the Brexit Party, uh, which is now called is it Reform? 
That's right. Yeah. And, and then now, and then you have another one now. Uh, I, I don't even know the name of. Then you have a, a, reclaim. a reclaim. So you got reclaim reform. You still have UKIP under the under yeah. the under the piddling stewardship of, of Neil Hamilton. <laughs> You've got the heritage. You've got the Heritage Party. You've got the Heritage Party. You've got the Four Britain movement. Yeah, and you've got the SDP, uh, which is sort of resurgent, particularly among among younger people. So, for, so um, tell, tell the audience. I mean, tell me quite frankly, what's the real one? You know, what's the real one that people should be throwing their their support behind? Is there any way foreseeable that these people all come together um, under one banner? And and is there scope? To, to chip into the Conservative Party's uh, polling numbers like we did back in 2014 and 15 that secured us the Brexit referendum? Uh, well, your last question first. If those, those parties can be united, absolutely. And I think it can go beyond that. Um, I wouldn't... The, the, very genuinely, I don't have a favourite among those parties. Um, there's a lot of decent people in all of them. Um, I'm not convinced that they've they've quite pulled it together and and you know worked out a formula. I don't think any of them have, have done that. I don't think any of them have the leadership that is required um, to really make a strong challenge. And I think even with Nigel Farage, the problem was that I think because he grew up in the Thatcher years, there was still a and and he's said this himself that that you know he wants the Conservative Party to change he was hoping that the Conservative Party would come to its senses because of the pressure he placed on them. He stood down, of course, um, his his Brexit Party challenges in 2019 in the hope that the Conservative Party would get a bigger majority. Against I my advice. Against my advice, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, well, we, we both said at the time that was a very bad idea because we ain't talking about the Margaret Thatcher Conservative Party getting a big majority. We're talking about um, what is essentially a left-wing party called the Conservative Party getting a big majority. And we're now seeing... The, the problems that that has caused. But the thing with Nigel was, I think he always held on to that residual belief that the Conservative Party could change. I think we've got to wake up to the fact that it is too far gone, that there's there's just no way to bring the Conservative Party back. Um, there are too many MPs in it um, that are just uh, the, the, the absolute wrong kind of people, and it would take 20, 30 years mm to to turn it around and just so for, just for the audience there when ben says there are there are too many mps in it he means inside the conservative uh party not you're not talk, you're not just using the phrase in it no i'm not no are, i know that's a phrase there are too like there are too many like mps but, in it no i know that's a phrase that people like you like to use raheem but 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 i do not um i don't know, on, you know wherever you're from but um i um i uh think that that we've now reached that point that um yeah. that you can't you, you you just can't reset the conservative party um and i hope that logic can prevail and the uh the 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 the, the many different parties that are now formed on the right um can come together but the key thing is always with these things you need a leader you need someone that that people can rally around. The Nigel Farage was that figure, and and you know, frankly, maybe he still is. I don't see anyone better out there that could pull this together than Nigel. And if you can take whatever new group that is uh, to uh, the, the the point of being united, I think you'll you'll be looking at twenty twenty five percent of the polls. The Conservative Party would be under huge pressure, um, and then I think 
it, it would still take a long time, but there is a realistic chance that, that people could finally wake up and see, yeah, okay, we're not falling for this con again. We can see these people aren't real conservatives and, and we need uh, a new party to replace them. Well, you know, I, I put this into some context for the audience. You know, I tried myself, albeit from a, a far smaller um, soapbox, uh, to have this kind of, you know, Enoch Powell intervention moment in, in 1974, uh, 74, um, Enoch Powell, who's, who's one of my personal heroes, uh, parliamentary uh, conservative um, for, for a very long time before leaving uh, in 1974, was, was taking aim at the Conservative Party for, for almost the same reasons, right? The, the, uh, lack of consideration for what the conservative base in the country, which, as as far as I understand history from that period, was the you know predominant majority of ordinary people, uh, ordinary voters in the United Kingdom, and um, alongside a whole bunch of other things, including and not limited to the uh, United Kingdom's European Economic Community membership, you know he turned around and and he he shocked the nation. Um, I think to a great extent shocked himself by saying, look, you cannot vote for um, for Ted Heath's Conservative Party and and did an endorsement of sorts for for the Labour Party, which was the party at the time, actually, that were offering a referendum on, on European uh, uh, community membership. And I kind of did this speech with you. Um, I remember you were very sick at the time, uh, and you were, you were even sicker after the speech, um, at the, well, supposed to be in Parliament. I mean, I mean, tell people a little bit about that. It was supposed to be in Parliament, yeah. and we ended up getting so, booted out of Parliament. Exactly. Um, the That was at the point that, that Theresa May was trying to scupper Brexit. So we had the Brexit vote, but then it took um, really five years to actually get Brexit to happen because um, th- this was a vote of the people, but the establishment and the members the, the, the members of parliament at the time and pretty much the members of parliament still um that, that made up the parliament was 70 percent against brexit so the public voted and then mps did whatever they could to try and stop it happening and there was a particular point that may published her proposals um and and that's that that sent the brexit movement into uproar we had a Bre- brexit betrayal event which was scheduled to take place in parliament i then received calls from a number of mps that that said if you were going to be there me um that yes you raheem mm. that you were not allowed in your parliament because you were, <laughs> you were too rebellious insurrectionist um, see i was insurrectioning before the insurrection right and then they were saying and so we assume you'll be dropping him from the panel and i said no 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 we won't we'll be dropping you from the panel um and we had uh, our event very much in the spirit of that rebellion Mm. Um, and you know, ultimately, the, the the rebellion worked in the sense that we we got rid of of Theresa May and her proposals. But again, it comes back to that same old problem that you're just rolling the dice again in a Conservative Party that has very few Conservatives left in it. And so Boris Johnson came up, um, and we we again warned that that wouldn't be um, any better. Um, but but you know, people like to they like to believe. That um, that things are going to get better, and and of course we are now where we are. But I think the 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 point about Enoch Powell is a good one because um, if it wasn't for the establishment, Enoch Powell would have been prime minister. 
he was blocked using all of these various machinations that we've discussed about how a leader is selected by parliamentarians rather than by the people um and 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 all that sort of thing and i think the same is true of nigel farage and margaret thatcher only got through by mistake um that they that they totally underestimated her so i think all of this demonstrates brexit and everything that's happened since and indeed much that happened before demonstrates that we we actually need a new democratic system because britain is an illusion of democracy and we are declining because of it to the point that you know you've got this sort of tin pot imperial court dictatorship of the prime minister and his wife um completely you know out of touch um and and putting through the kind of measures that um you know would embarrass uh, uh, uh fascist dictatorships mm. um and uh you wonder where if if something isn't done where we're going to be in 10 years time well that is that is ex- that is almost exclusively what i'm what i'm wondering at the moment because as you say um, there doesn't appear to be, at least not to me. Maybe I'm maybe I'm too out of touch with with the Conservative Party. You know, the Conservative Party has been out of touch with me for long enough. It's about time I gave them some back. Um, I don't know. Are there any Are there any members of Parliament who who are inside the Conservative Parliamentary Party who you would say I trust them to run the country? Well, yeah, you've you've got someone like John Redwood, who was Margaret Thatcher's head of policy and is a is a senior patron of the Bow Group. Um, it's unthinkable that he would be elected leader of the Conservative Party, but mm. something similar did happen in the Labour Party with Jeremy Corbyn, mm. and so they had because they they changed their rules and and put the put the members in charge of deciding who the leader should be rather than um, rather than the MPs, mm. um, the mem- the party members, I mean, yeah. um, and they selected a, a, a very left-wing candidate in Jeremy Corbyn. Um, the problem was that because his party was still full of Tony Blair's MPs, he was the leader, but he couldn't do anything. And I think in the very, very unlikely event that uh, Conservative MPs decided to select a proper Conservative like John Redwood as leader mm. the problem would then be what does he do with all of the <laughs> all of the liberal conservatives you can't fire them you know you can't just say right we're having a clear out um yeah. they're all there and a lot of them you know they've been the conservative party switched his policy when cameron took over in 2005 to basically screen out all conservative candidates it's not like in america you know the centrality a little office of bureaucrats of unelected bureaucrats in london decide who the candidates are going to be and they've been doing that now uh, for the best part of 20 years, which means that all of the younger, the new uh, cons- the, the Conservative MPs that have come in in that period are of that uh, left-wing liberal mindset. And a lot of them, are, if, they're, if they're in safe seats, you know, they'll be there for life. They'll be there for another three, four decades. Uh, so, so the question is, how do you, how do you r- reset a party like that? And I just don't see the possibility of it. Mm. Um, and and I think it would actually be quicker now to to have a new party come in. Mm. Well, upbeat and optimistic as ever. Um, but <laughs> I, I am uh, I am not in any disagreement with you um, about the. Well, uh, that's the problem. We're never. We're ne- it's like Peter Hitchens. It might be miserable. We're never wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. 
believe in the new leader if if you like but do so at your peril because two years down the line you'll be exactly where we are now well and you know this this is really it's really shocking to me especially because of how much form you and I both have and by the way you know to the audience Ben and I aren't the only ones but but we are we are two of the most active ones in this area um, and it's really shocking to me that despite our pedigree now, not just in the area of of understanding the Conservative Parliamentary Party and, and, and all that, we also, you know, the Brexit staff, the Trump staff, everything, right, that people will still have this this blind faith in people who have shown themselves repeatedly to be of low character, people like Boris Johnson. And so it's galling. We can go on television. We can write all the articles. We can do podcasts. We can get... I mean, we, we reach millions upon millions of people uh, every week through through all of these different things, in, whether it's in the UK, in the US. And still, still, there is this longing that I'm I'm trying to get to the bottom of as more... as, as less of a political thing. More, I think more... <clears throat> excuse me, more trying to understand psychological and emotionally why people behave this way. You talk about hope and people wanting to hope, um, but I would, I, would, I would want and I would hope myself that they would hope for something better than, 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 well, a, than a bumbling, you know, than a bumbling shagger um, who, who does, you know, quite frankly, one of the most cartoonish uh, Nigel Farage impressions that I've ever seen. Yeah, you can't even shag a good one either. Exactly. Um, a wrong one, I think she was described as by the Prime Minister's former advisor. And, and by the um, way, let's talk about that for a second, because, because you know, p- people people act as if you can't criticise uh, Carrie Simmons, Carrie Johnson, Carrie Antoinette, whatever you want to call her. They act like you can't criticise her. I mean, you were, on, you were on the television the other day on this GB News channel, uh, and and <laughs> you know you were making some pertinent points about where power resides in the executive branch of the British government and the host of the show. I, I won't even get into who she is because we have we have very many priors, me and that lady. But um, not like that, of course. But um, you know, she kind of cuts you off and says, "Well, actually, you know, Ben, we have to point out to the audience that that Carrie isn't here to put her own case." forward which is a ludicrous thing to do because when you're being discussed on television when i'm being discussed on television when steve bannon's being discussed on television when when nigel farage is repeatedly maligned and defamed and accused all across british television they don't invite all of us on to have our own say and to pick our own fights back but when it's carrie antoinette you know, it's it's a completely different, completely different take, and I'm struggling to understand where that comes from. Is she really that well looped in? Uh, no, but I think there is this. You know, whenever we we raise this question, there is this sort of sense that in some way it's sexist, um, and you know, we just don't want a, a woman in charge. To which I respond to the fact that yes, the problem is that she was never elected to be in charge of anything. I mean, Carrie Simmons constitutionally should have no more power uh, than a road sweeper. Um, so so it, I don't think it's sexist to question why someone that, that, that has been totally unelected and is accountable to no one. And on that point, that there is now an investigation into every single Christmas party, <laughs> apart from the one that she is rumoured to have planned. Yeah. So, and, and the reason for that is that the people involved in all the others can be fired as someone already has. But when it comes out that she was responsible for one, what is the prime minister going to do? Fire his wife, sanction his wife. It can't happen. And it's the same with all of the other decisions and the involvements that she has in 
in in appointments and so forth if she is found to have done something seriously wrong and illegal which quite frankly is what all evidence suggests mm. what on earth is the procedure mm. um you know the people come in and, and haul her out mm. um it's 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 a it's a situation that um that right. is not allowed to happen for very good reason yeah. uh, but but to your previous point mm. about you know why does this keep happening i boil it down to three things mm. one is the system um we have a, an illusion of democracy really in britain it is a it is a chumocracy. It is, you know, we've had, of the last three prime ministers, two of them were the were the members of the of the same twelve man elite dining club from from Eton College in Oxford, um, and and so the system doesn't allow that that public grassroots support to connect with a candidate. It's all several steps removed with sort of, um, you know, bureaucrats and MPs making the final decision. Uh, so that's one thing. The other thing um, is that yes. You, you people want to believe they've 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 had so long uh since that just since there's been a proper conservative in charge that they really want to believe that that whoever what sh whatever charlatan has come up and is pretending to be that uh, is going to be the savior and the third point is as we well know there are no prizes for being right in politics mm. there are only prizes for supporting the establishment so we can be right as many times as you want and yet the people we defeat are the ones that get the top jobs, the ones that get knighted, the ones that get elevated to the House of Lords as more Remainers were than Brexiteers. Mm. Um, so, you know, when people see what we are doing, they might think, yeah, but, you know, I want to become an MP or I want to get into the House of Lords. So I'm going to carry on with this absolute farce um, and not stand up to it. Uh, so... Well that's what it really comes down to it, it, it we you know i've said several times that this isn't a banana republic but maybe it is now oh, without the banana oh the republic yeah. it's just a farce it's just uh, it's just a total undemocratic farce posing as a serious country i think that probably sums it up Ben, where can um, where can people find more from you about you and the Bow Group? Uh, well, you can find the the Bow Group on on Twitter and Getter at Bow Group. Um, you can find me at uh, b underscore hq, and you can find us at bowgroup.org. Ben Harris Quinney, I thank you for your time. Thank you. Um. The reason I wanted to do this show, well, I think it's probably obvious to you now, is think about how badly it can go and do not for a second think it can't happen to you, ladies and gentlemen, wherever you might be in the world. I know we have an audience all over the world. I know we have people in the United Kingdom listening to this right now. Maybe you disagree. I would like to hear from you. Feel free to, to tweet at me or post from Getter at me. If you're not on Getter already, uh, it's getter.com. It is exploding with members, new people who have found their way away from big tech's uh, oligarchy and are interested in free speech. I'm you know, delighted to say that many of my friends uh, work at Getter um, and, and I give it my full-throated support and endorsement wherever I can. I also post things to Getter that I don't post anywhere else. So make sure you go on to getter, getter.com 
and um, and and come and join us there. Honestly, it's it's a fantastic place. Um, for those of you who care, my book on Enoch Powell from a few years ago now is called Enoch Was Right because he was, and uh, you can get it in two different. Well, yeah, you can get it in two different ways. You can get it on the internet on Amazon. Um, unfortunately, it is Amazon. Um, or you can go to fundrealnews.com, which is the website that people go to to support the National Pulse, uh, our publication, the publication that publishes this podcast that you're listening to right now. Speaking of which, there are some big stories over at the National Pulse today. Um, we've just revealed that Liz Cheney accepted an award from a Chinese Communist Party influence group. Yes, that is correct. Uh, all the details at the nationalpulse.com. An amazing opinion piece by Steve Cortez, former Newsmax host and former advisor to President Donald J. Trump, is the lead story at the National Pulse as we record this podcast. Um, an interesting story that we've uh, decided to call a pandemic of the vaccinated uh, because Omicron appears to be infecting more vaccinated people than unvaccinated people. And another major breaking scoop from the National Pulse, we have new Fauci Zuckerberg emails that show the two planning to collude over sharing data from Facebook for further lockdowns and vaccine deployment. It's all there at the nationalpulse.com. We work incredibly hard. We're a small team. We work incredibly hard to bring you this news. So if you do have it in you, even if it's just $5 a month, please go on over to fundrealnews.com. You don't have to do a monthly uh, renewed uh, subscription. There is a button at the top of the page that says click here for a one-time donation, but we are 100% reader funded. 100% reader funded. Um, we we absolutely rely on you, rely on your support. And just think about all of the things, whether it's the breaking down that timeline from January the 6th, which we were the first to do. I did it from the desk that I'm talking to you from right now. You know, before everybody else came into this, and what a marvelous job that everybody else is doing, the Julie Kellys and the Darren Beatties and everything, we broke that timeline apart. Um, the uh, Fauci links to the Chinese Communist Party and the Wuhan lab and Peter Daszak and all of those revelations, the scalps we've had kicking people like Daszak and Marion Koopmans off the WHO investigative committee by showing their lack of credibility and their compromise. So many of these stories and the ones I just read out to you, Liz Cheney, uh, breaking news on the January 6th committee members, all of that, it literally would not happen without your support. So if you're not a member yet, fundrealnews.com is the URL. We now have 3,916 members. I would love, love, love to get to 5,000 members um, by the end of the year, frankly. So if you're not yet there, I'm going to help you get there. There is a promo code that you can use, but get there quickly. Uh, it will give you a bit of a discount because we do give swag away for joining at certain tiers of membership. One one tier in spe specifically gets you a copy, a signed copy of that book, Enoch Was Right. Um, but you can use, we've been using this promo code. Use this promo code. It's WARUM, W-A-R, R-O-O-M, War Room, all one word, and you can get 10% off whichever uh, level of support you choose, and you get nice stuff in the mail from us as a result. I wanted to leave you with two things. One is I always read the names out of new members who have joined, so I'll do that in just a second. But I also want to play this clip that I found last night. I was listening, as I, as I am often 
want to do to old Christopher Hitchens speeches on YouTube and this part in particular of this speech that he gave to the Nation Institute I think back in 1996 really stood out to me because honestly um, it's the stuff that I bang on about today this and, and he puts it way better than I ever could um, and that makes me embarrassed quite frankly but um, it just goes to show what an amazing inspiration he was. I want to play this clip um, of Christopher Hitchens, very short. Like, I don't know about you, every day I look at the New York Times and see, are they still saying all the news that's fit to print on the front page? Are they still doing that? So, I, okay, I'm still pissed off with them. Every day I also think, maybe there'll be some encouraging signs of polarization all the same. Because in the New York Times every day you find the word consensus is always used as a plus word. Unity is always used as a plus word. Anything divisive, very bad word. Bipartisan, very good. Partisan, not so good. Cretinism, bullshit, nonsense. The building of a false consensus and the burying of history and the burying of dialectic. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> Just amazing. I, um, I heard that last night. I was like, I've got to play it for the audience. Um, once again, it's in the Nation Institute speech. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. Very interesting. Uh, he says some very offensive things about right-wingers as well. I've got no problem with it. If you can back your points up, I don't have a problem with it. That's what Hitchens was always so good at. And But no wonder, no wonder the left was so happy to part ways with him, right? When he was saying things that were anti-consensus, pro-division. How dare we have division? We have division, ladies and gentlemen, when one set of ideas are manifestly good, and one set of ideas are manifestly evil. And that's what we're living through right now. I'm so grateful for you to for tuning in. Please make sure you leave us a review. Share this podcast with your friends, family members, colleagues, onto your social media channels. It really does help. Don't think you're not helping because you've got 30 followers or 100 followers. It really does help. And the people that have helped us out this week, I want to give a shout out to our new members, Ronald, Alberta, Annie, Dan, Edward and Eileen, Tom, Anne, Dr. Yola, VFT, Colby, Tina, Katrina, Alan, Marie, Janet, Jane, Janet, sorry, Karen, Kelly, Robert, Walter, Heather, Mark, Dennis, Walter again, Tim, Russell, Craig, Chase, Terry, Michael, Dan, Gregory, Julie, Janet, Tim, Stephen, Michael, Torre, Michelle, Julian, Greg, Joseph, Todd, Catherine, Karen, Mark, Michael, Madeline, Douglas, Joe, Linda, Kevin, Dan, James, Jeanette, James again, Jeffrey, Bob, Rebecca, Julie, Ellen, thank you all so much. Head on over to thenationalpulse.com, share our stories, fundrealnews.com, leave us a review. I know it's a lot of homework, but come on, we can win civilization back. See you next time.